Hi everyone, it's Joachim Akren, your host of the Elite Game Developers Podcast, a podcast about the entrepreneurs and investors who are building the games companies of the future. This recording is from a panel I did last week with Jan Pollack from VUGA, Ross Brockman from Google and Christian Facey from Audiomob, where we talked about ads in mobile games and how things have been changing in the recent years. Topics that we cover include the privacy changes on mobile, what kind of future trends the panelists are seeing get materialized, and how game developers should optimally approach ad monetization in their games. This podcast is sponsored by Zebedee. Zebedee lets you power your games with Bitcoin to add play-to-earn mechanics quickly and easily. You can now introduce tiny, lightning-fast micropayments that work natively in-game, something that wasn't previously technically or financially possible. The result is higher engagement from players, more time spent in-game, and more efficient use of your marketing budget. The best part is you don't need to learn all the ins and outs of blockchain to use Zebedee or to worry about managing all the financial hurdles. Their custom SDK and API let you easily add Bitcoin rewards into the games you're working on or the ones you've already created. You're limited only by your imagination. And the polished developer dashboard gives you direct visibility into the impact that your in-game payments are having. Zebedee handles all the rest. By building infrastructure on top of the Bitcoin protocol, Zebedee is creating interoperability between developers and studios, allowing the entire games industry to share in the same open standard for sending and receiving value. Head on over to zeb.gg forward slash egd to learn more and to sign up for access. All right, guys, we're live, we're recording. Uh, Welcome all to the panel today where we're going to be talking about ads in mobile games. It's a a broad topic, but I think there's there's a lot to talk about there since ads in mobile games have been around, I would say like close to to a decade. I remember at Supercell, uh, Heyday had uh, the movie ticket and that was my first kind of like dip into seeing what you could do really with ads in a new way it was ad colonies video ads which was which were amazing uh of course we had interstitials banners whatever happening already but i think like the industry has been moving forward uh there's been interesting stuff happening but uh, let's kick it kick it off by doing introductions here i have jan ross and christian so jan can you first introduce yourself Yes, for sure. Uh, thanks for having me on board here. Um, really nice to meet you all guys. Uh, my name is Jan. I'm from VUGA, Berlin-based uh, publisher of story-driven casual games, uh, our biggest strategy journey, which you maybe know. Um, and we are extremely focused on rewarded videos in our games um, with uh, user experience, making it really great and, and good. So um, that's our focus here. I'm really happy to talk about uh, current trends in the ad industry with you guys. Um, maybe Ross, you want to take it further? 
Sure. Um, nice to meet you all. Uh, my name's Ross. Uh, I work at Google. Um, I would question Joachim's 10-year uh, lifespan for, for mobile ads, because I've been doing mobile ads here for 12. Um, I joined originally from AdMob, and uh, I've worked across uh, London and Hong Kong and Singapore with Google over the years, um, either managing uh, clients such as Jans, uh, who, who use our technology to integrate and, and deliver advertising, um, or looking after the, the go-to-market and commercialization teams. And, and that's what I do today. Uh, I manage the team that looks after uh, large client relationships in Europe, as well as the, the commercialization and go-to-market functions for our sell-side ad products at Google. Christian, do you want to complete the set? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, great, great to be here. Uh, I'm Christian. I'm the CEO of AudioMob. Uh, we provide non-intrusive audio ads in games, and we created and pioneered and innovated in the uh, in the space. Before that, I was uh, at Google. So shout out to Ross and Google, and I was also at Facebook as a science partner as well. Perfect. So hey, I wanted to ask you first to to dive into this kind of high level of ad monetization and the future of ad monetization. What are some of the interesting trends that you're seeing out there? Let's do the same order that we just did. So Jan, you can you can yeah, go yeah. first. Um, I mean, I think there's always a lot of kind of different trends, right? There's always people asking about more analytics and insights. There's always kind of networks trying to innovate on the creative side, trying to bring out new formats like Christian now is audio ads or mobile. I think really interesting. Um, there's also always changes on the privacy side, like with all regulations from Apple, from governments and so on. So always people are trying to adjust to that. So there's always kind of different trends. Um, and it's kind of the, the overall theme, I would say, is fairly much the same over the last years. Um, but it's always changing anyway. So there's new things coming up, people trying to adapt to that and so on. Um, so, yeah, I said like analytics, um, bidding is also always a hot topic for the last few years already. Um, still not really fully into the market um, on, on every network, every publisher. So I think it's still going on. Um, there's a lot of different things, yeah. So maybe Ross, what do you think about those? Yeah. So, so what do we see? I mean, I agree with you, Jan, that there's no kind of earthquakes and, and no dramatic changes, yeah. I think, at the moment. I think what we are seeing is that some things have become very, very stable. I think Jochen talked about like the the first time that, that Supercell and other kind of IAP heavy companies tried ads, I think what we're seeing now is that that ads are a, a core part of the mix for pretty much everybody, depending on the circumstances, right? So we we see hybrid monetization pretty commonly across developers, no matter what their business model is. And, and one example would be I spoke to a developer the other day who sells like an, an ad removal option for their for their games, right? But just like you, you pay the money, you remove the ads from the games except the rewarded ads, right? So like even in those circumstances where like we've managed to find really good user experiences, I think, and kind of economic kind of integrations into how games are played such that ads is, is part of the mix wherever, and, and that's good. And I think from where that kind of bleeds over into other parts of the, the value chain is things like ad monetization being critical in terms of your user value and therefore your user acquisition strategy. So we see this from a lot of developers that they really want a kind of a unified lifetime value from both ads and IAP that they can pull together and use to inform their user acquisition strategy because actually both of these components of your revenue matter in different 
amounts in different kind of countries and different user regions and things like this. So you're going to have maybe a very IAP heavy game in the US, but a much more ad heavy game in, in India, for example. And I think that flexibility and, and the, the desire to, to join the dots on both of those pieces is pretty common among all the developers that, um, that I talk to nowadays. So I think those are the things that are largest on, on my mind. I could maybe just jump in quickly and, and give a quick feedback on that because I think it's it's still very much driven by the game stronger. So like if you look into casual, hyper casual, uh, mid core, hardcore games, etc. I think it didn't change that much over the last years because I think it's like like when you look into let's say um, casino games, mid core games, it's still not really that established yet that the ads are making such a big revenue in there, right? It's mostly I would say casual and, and hyper casual games. But I think as an industry, because hypercash became so big over the last two, four years or so, um, I think that's why it's such a more public and, and widely accepted topic that everyone's talking about that. Um, but I think it's, it's really about this rise of um, hypercash and casual games um, becoming more established with a hybrid model as well. But um, yeah, I think as a, as a whole industry, I think there's definitely more going on now. But yeah, Christian, what do you think? Yeah, so um, what we're seeing is, I mean, this is, this is very common. I saw it at Google and Facebook and seeing it in Audio Mob as well. Um, you've got much, much larger user bases of, of game developers, right? So naturally, uh, whether it's going to be CPMs in certain formats, uh, as well as conversion rates, whether it's rewarded video, IP playable ads, they're not, you know, in the double digits consistently when they first came out, there's that slow decline. But what we are seeing is that the new ad formats that are coming out beforehand you know when you had your interstitials to reward it to playables it was kind of improving on an initial slot and i think that's always going to be there and it's always going to be part of the stack but there is a new stack coming in where rather than taking advantage of those pre-built-in slots um non-intrusive audio ads um whether it's display ads as well um whether it's um, ways that you can bid on rewarded moments without intrude intruding on the user experience I think that additional stack is going to interweave with um, what you're more uh, commonly know, i.e. playable ads, rewarded video ads, interstitials, et cetera. Also, when it comes to the way that you use these formats for user acquisition, um, obviously, uh, you know, IDFA, it wasn't an apocalypse. It, it wasn't uh, the most helpful thing that has happened to the ecosystem from a certain uh, perspective, but um, it certainly wasn't an apocalypse. So the audience size just changes in terms of targeting the amount of people that you want to opt in. When you're an IAP-centric game, targeting those wells is going to be a bit harder. Um, I don't know what Ross can and can't say. World in the street, Google might be doing something similar, um, but I guess that's a topic for another time. But what we are seeing is a massive, massive investment into contextual uh, based solutions as well, whether it's Infosum, Gum Gum, Branch, we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars in investment, investment into uh, technologies like AudioMob. And, and I definitely think that this, this trend of um, acquiring users um, in a uh, contextual way, a privacy uh, kind of safe or compliant way, um, that, that's a massive, massive trend I've seen uh, in the investment space uh, over the last two years. Yeah, like I, I think one of the things that I'd like to touch base here on uh, is like going into kind of like how you monetize ads, but also how you how you can use ads in different ways. Like you're talking about like showing ads to particular cohorts. Like I've heard that the developers who have several merge games now that they're they're more or less not gonna show ads before they know 
if somebody is not going to spend or not. And then if they're not, then they're happily going to show the ads, which means that other merge games start showing up in their games. And I think that's that's part of like also how you how you want to monetize your players a bit more is uh, to to rely on retaining them and not sending them to other other developers' games. Uh, but I wanted to hear you you guys think about like the the aspects of what is important when you're doing ad monetization to do it in the right way that it's most mostly effective for for your business yeah i mean i, I, w- I would just take your example here joachim um because your example is, is more about right competitive ads right so you want to avoid having your potentially most important players seeing your direct competitors ads yeah um and, but in the end, you're just delaying the whole ad experience and the whole ad revenues for all players and all campaigns to a later point in time, um, which makes it just um, harder for you to monetize in general. I think it, if there would be smarter solutions in general, where you say, hey, maybe I can target specific players more directly and also have different kind of demand for these players to say, hey, for the early players, I don't want to show my competitors ads, but I can still show brand ads or something like that. Maybe it would be easier to still monetize those early players, um, but also avoid um, any kind of uh, churn or retention issues there. Um, I think that's something which would be really interesting going forward if there would be ways of blacklisting or blocking certain um, yeah, apps or categories um, for certain ad units, placements, et cetera. Um, I think that would be really uh, interesting, sophisticated ways of um, segmentation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think also in general on, on the question of what is important for monetization, I think it's always about being um, curious and um, competitive. So always um, challenge everything, basically what you're doing, um, always wonder what can you improve, what can you change, um, like these kind of examples we have now. Um, and then also trying to have this whole holistic approach of really understanding all different kind of aspects. Is it like the user feedback, retention, ECPM, et cetera, et cetera. It's not just you want to uh, improve one KPI, right? You want to also understand how does it impact the other areas of your game. So I think that's extremely important. Mm. Yeah, I think that the tools are the important thing there, right? So it, it's the ability to, I, I kind of like the, the challenge everything aspect and, and where that kind of manifests in the products and so on that we build and, and where we see developers using them is really like the, the increasing prevalence of A-B testing and like anything you want to do differently, whether it's filter competitive ads, run a test. Whether it's you want to introduce a, like a new ad format at a new point, you run a test. You want to take two cohorts and, and start showing them ads after one day versus one week, run a test, right? And, and all of this technology is now available and pretty much integrated into, into all of the systems, whether it's the, the mediation platforms, whether it's the analytics platforms that, that people are choosing to use, right? And and I think that's made it a lot more scientific. Um, and people are willing to, to try different things, I think, as a result, because you can dip your toe in the water and and try a new ad format, right? Maybe you want to like try something you've not done before, you know, like integrate Christian stack or, or try a, like an app open ad or something that's a splash screen at the beginning of the game. You might get pushback from your, some of your users or some of your producers and things like this, but you can, you can push back yourself and be like, I'm, I'm going to run a test. Let's see. Um, and I think that degree of dynamic content and like ability to, to follow through pretty quickly and make decisions is, is important, right? And I think waiting too long to, to Jan's point about 
like we're not going to show ads for one or two weeks or whatever it is until we decided whether someone's spending or not. Like you don't want to waste those one or two weeks. Um, you can you can make things clear up front to the users. You can be pretty straightforward that yes, ads are a part of this experience. Here's why. Here's how they work, and tune it from there rather than making kind of dramatic decisions and just deciding this game will never have ads. It's like well, I think there's there's a gray area on every decision you can make about frequency placement whether you use it at all type of ad um, uh, that's that's pretty much critical to, to all the larger developers now and that, that flexibility i think is is why we see ads very commonly everywhere now because you can control them and do them well and um that's a really good point um uh ross and um one thing i always say to new developers i mean don't, don't get me wrong like we've got a lot of developers that are um, uh, are inbound now at Audiomob, but in our first year, it was, you know, the typical startup journey, right? Uh, persuading them as to the value of the proposition, et cetera. And we've kind of boiled it down to uh, simple metrics, right? There's a reason why IAP rewarded video and any other format that ever has been created. You're not going to get 50% conversions, i.e. 50% of people, you know, viewing and then installing or 50% of the users, you know, purchasing in our purchases. Otherwise, you know, there'll be uh, <laughs> an unlimited amount of unicorns in the space, right? But uh, the point I'm trying to make is that if you take, let's say, rewarded video, right? On, on a good day, conversions could be 8 to 12%, let's say, right? You still have a lot of users that aren't susceptible to that format. And then you've got your whales that you're going to be targeting. Maybe on a good day, 4%, maybe a bit higher. Obviously, developers are going to be a bit caged about those numbers. But again, there's going to be a large chunk of the users that won't be susceptible to these formats. And some of the most intelligent strategies that, um, that I've seen is, you know, we don't, we don't say when you integrate AudioMob to like not use anything else. It's all about stacking the right ad in front of the right kind of user. Because some users, for instance, are never going to uh, convert on an ad, never going to purchase IAP. They'll never interact with playables or install uh, games. And that's where the gap is. So I guess in a, in a, in a roundabout way, um, the best um, ad monetization stacks that I've seen, they have segmented the right users for the right kind of ad experience so they can get as much incremental revenue uh, as possible. Right. Interesting stuff. Uh, then talking about the, the hot potato, the, the privacy changes, um, which are impacting user acquisition uh, in, in gaming, a mobile what do you guys think about that impacting ad monetization for the developers, especially the ones who are more reliant on ad monetization? Um, who, who wants to pick that up first? Everyone's looking at me. You can't see this on the call because <laughs> it's a podcast. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to chime in as best I as best I can on this, right? So, and look, I mean, we all went through um, the Apple changes in the last year or two. Um, and, and just in case people don't know when we're recording this, this is the day after WWDC. So everything that was announced in terms of like changes to scan and and all the things was literally last night. So please forgive us all not having opinions on uh, on any of those changes yet. Um, but, but as, as Christian pointed out earlier, that was a change. It wasn't um, an apocalypse. Uh, and I think we've seen different like, ways of adjusting to this, whether it's increasing use of first-party data, uh, increasing focus on cross-promotion and other things you can do um, that are not dependent on, um, on degraded uh, kind of scan data and so on elsewhere on, on iOS. Like I, I've heard a lot about that 
in the the time since those those changes happened. So I think the the industry is resilient. I think that's been shown already um, because the iOS side of things has has not uh, changed forever um, off the back of it. Though obviously there are there are ripples that are still being um, still being observed. Um, in terms of the Android changes that are coming, I mean I can I can talk about it, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna kind of blown away with new news on this side of things, right? So, I mean, Android is, is actively working with the ecosystem to develop and test new proposals, right? Like there are previews of the APIs that are live on the developer site. Um, there are conversations that are, are happening with the developers and, and kind of clients and people who build for Android already. Um, but I, I want to be clear on this one, right? The, the ads teams and uh, this applies both on user acquisition and, and ad monetization, like we're finding out uh, what's happening there um, when Android make their decisions. It's the same principle that we've applied overall with the Chrome privacy sandbox. And I, I think if anyone's concerned about like why we've announced multiple years before anything changes and things on the uh, on the Android side of things, it's because we know that these discussions and um, these developments do take years. Chrome has been on a multi-year journey um, towards privacy sandbox technology on web. We're expecting it'll be a, a multi-year journey towards uh, similar technology on Android. And we will respond and share product updates when we have it. But at, at the end of the day, this is not something that is being decided by the, the ads teams anywhere inside Google. It's it's Android doing the right thing for user privacy in the ecosystem. So um, I, I will always be happy to listen to what people are concerned about here, but I, I don't have any grand changes. Just know that we, we or Android definitely want to be talking to everybody and making sure we build a solution which works for all of users, advertisers, and publishers, but with user privacy at the, the forefront there. Um, I'm not sure if that's much of an answer, but maybe, Jan yeah, Christian, you have me some follow-ups on that. Yeah, for sure. I can probably take it further. Um, so I definitely agree with you um, that you have to really understand what's going on, right? You want to follow the announcement from Apple, from Google, exactly how do you have to prepare for that? What do you should change? How do you have to also invest into knowledge, into skills and experts in that? Um, and then you also certainly have to do, do, um, differentiate between the UA and advertiser side and the supply side, right? So, I mean, I think I, I cannot talk too much in detail about the UA side because I'm the ad monetization expert here. Um, but there's certainly a lot of things which you have to understand, which you have to change and so on. Um, but also in general, you have to look into pop-ups to get the content from your players for the um, personalization. You need to understand what kind of data you still have access to or which are kind of kind of getting newly in there, like your app set ID from Google coming up. So I think there's a few changes you have to be aware of how to change it on your on your client side, on your game side. And then also you mentioned cross-promotion. It's an definitely an important topic, right? Because you have more ways to know your user base, to send them back and forth between games. I think also one big topic which was um, coming more, coming up more for me because of that was brand ads and brand networks. So because those don't really care about personalization and, and ad IDs anymore, you're really looking to, okay, how, how, which networks are out there, who can help you with that, but also understand kind of which of your existing um, networks uh, which are already out there, how are they, um, how much are they relying on the ad IDs? So like a Facebook was completely doomed on, on iOS, obviously, I think everyone knows that, while other networks, they completely don't really care about that because they're already into the contextual side of, of advertising and they don't really differentiate you on a personalization level. Um, so I think it's really important to understand that. And I think one thing which Google actually is doing great is um, to provide data about that. So I see in, in, in the AdMob dashboard, for example, I can really see 
um, what is my performance on personalization level versus non-personalization. That's great. So I can really um, optimize based on that, which not a lot of networks do that. Um, but then I also see, hey, there's a huge difference. And I see non-personalized uh, ads are having a way worse performance. So I probably put ad mob a bit lower in the stack um, than for the personalized users. So these kind of changes you have to be aware of and you have to understand how do you um, optimize it for, for your apps, for your drawing and everything. So I think just knowing everything, being always on top of that and trying to understand how you can fit those this knowledge to your games, I think it's really important. Mm. Yeah, I think the transparency is very important there, Jan, right? Like yeah. to my point earlier about like, I would totally recommend you do exactly those tests that you're talking about, but like to A-B test something, you need the data. So we'll, we'll continue trying to provide as much transparency as we can there, because this is the only way that people will be able to navigate changes in a kind of scientific and, re and reliable, reliable yeah, fashion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is always the disadvantage of going last. Uh, you two covered a lot of good points there. I mean, just 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 to add on, um, from a from a UA perspective, so some of the um, game developers that we are uh, we've integrated into that rely on IAP, for instance, um, there is definitely a massive search for how we're going to get the right signals in order to almost replace some of that signaling that was lost. There have been some very clever strategies around um, getting more first-party data, uh, like rewarded first-party data almost, uh, in order to compensate for that. Um, there's new contextual um, technology providers as well, like uh, Number 8, for instance, a partner that we work with, uh, in order to um, you know, ju justifiably you know, get the CPMs up on one side, but obviously target the right users on the other. And I always remember that you know, one of the world's largest publishers, uh, literally a week after um, IDFA was announced, uh, approached us because we're contextual. Uh, and one of the first questions was, oh, okay, you do brand ads, but uh, do you promote other games? Um, and um, the fact that 99% of our ads um, are branding ads, we started to see that there's an, an acceptance that um, branding um, ad spend uh, had to, had to be a higher of a higher weighting in a, in a typical you know waterfall uh, rather than just pumping in performance ads because of these changes. I think that it would be a a cushion uh, while user acquisition teams kind of figure out how to um, you know pump more users into the game. Um, but I I, I do I, I don't think that um, you know it's going to cripple the industry. It will just be a bit of a teething process over the next I'd say eighteen months or so. Right, right. Um, talking about the, the innovation that now is happening regarding ads in mobile games, uh, can you, Christian, start and, and, and talk about like what are, what are the things that you're interested in? Like what, what are you seeing on the audio space? Like what are developers doing there and things like that? So I'll say there's uh, two areas that I'm interested in. One's a bit controversial, so I'll start with the audio stuff first. So um, when it comes to taking advantage of, uh, of new signal signaling, so, I mean, the first assumption that we debunked was the fact that every user, um, you know, they, they, their, their sound isn't on on their phone. And the actual statistic is that uh, most users, while they have the sound, off, uh, sound effects off on their game, 61% of users have the sound on the actual device. So that then opened up a loop of of opportunities. Now the next uh, kind of tranche of opportunities is how can we use these new contextual audio signals? So for instance, a typical advertiser, we've seen a thousand percent increase in uh, click-through engagement with the ad. Why? Because if a user's playing the game, we only pick premium games where the retention is, you know, is great and the user engagements and the session times are of a applicable length. If they decide to click through to the ad, listen through to a certain ad, not unmute it, 
all these different um, audio intent signals, we can then send the right ads to the right users based on what they hear. And that opens up a plethora of different opportunities in terms of how to target users with the right ad so that um, you know it's a great experience for the user. So all the everything to do with um, using new signals, preferably contextual signals, in order to send the right kind of format to the right user, I think is fascinating. Uh, and again, it's similar to with number eight in terms of you know, being able to identify, uh, you know, people that, you know, work at a certain rate or go to the mall a certain, uh, a certain times, uh, amount of times a week contextually, these are very, very powerful signals that will unlock a lot of um, uh, revenue uh, in, the, in the mobile gaming space. The other thing that I'll touch upon uh, lightly, because I know uh, the metaverse and crypto has a certain <laughs> stigma because everyone's talking about it. The one thing I'm very interested in is the fact that I'd say over the last 18 months, you had a lot of games or gaming companies where the users were attracted to these games because of the, uh, the unit economics and the ec economy of the game that you can uh, play and earn. Um, now we're seeing a lot of gaming studios that have an amazing track record of making you know, top tier AAA mobile games now introducing those same mechanisms. So that's something I'm going to be watching very closely where you build like you you get a top studio building great games and having a great earning mechanism as well. And it's something AudioMob is actually looking into, which is why I'm here in the Middle East in our R&D lab. But uh, yeah, crypto and gaming is definitely something that's also interesting. Jan, do you want to pick this? The next yeah, I would, I would actually pick up the, the topic from Christian about the contextual signals. So I think that's a definitely interesting topic because um, now with uh, like our dependence on IDDs, being down furthermore on, on Apple side, probably also in the next few years with Google. I think it's really important to understand really your context of your players and when the ads are requested and played and so on. And I think there's still so much more potential to improve. I mean, now everyone is talking about bidding, right? It's all based on open RTB st standards. So in theory, there's a lot of standards and, and, and parameters you can add in there. You can, you can process a lot of data points from your device, be it like the the sound option, which Christian mentioned, be it about the device model, be it about in-game first uh, data, first-party data, like the impression depths or like the, the progress of a player in a game or like what kind of character or items they have. I think there's a lot of things you could maybe um, pro provide to your, to your demand partners, to the networks and have together uh, figure out um, how you can leverage this data in a, in a privacy-first way. Um, but still improve the overall performance based on this data. And I think there's a lot of more um, potential to be unlocked from all networks which are already on bidding um, and I'm really curious how this all works out in the next uh, yeah, quarters and years to come um, but then also in general about formats like um, I mean obviously we have Christian here for audio mob uh, audio audio ads um, and um, we want to see okay how are these audio ads getting into apps um, in app in games which kind of genres are applicable for those how does it really um, become a new established format um, so I think that's a really interesting trend here to, to see entirely new formats and mobile, um, but also like um, I think Christian mentioned before, like native in-game ads, display ads in your game, which are more on a, on a programmatic basis. Like, and I think Anzu is one of the biggest um, providers out there who have has quite some press out there. Um, so I think it's a really interesting format um, and you have to really understand from a developer perspective, what is really the right format for your game, uh, for your genre, for your audience, et cetera, for your geos maybe as well. Um, and really then understand maybe who is out there um, as, a, as a great provider, who is, who is, a, who is a front runner, because I think it's, it's so early stage. There's no mediation yet for this kind of format. There's no 
clear um, a winner yet, I would say. So it's really um, an, an early market where you have to understand it in detail on, on your own. Um, but then also on the on the established formats, I would say like interstitials, rewarded videos, um, like a lot of networks, like I would say mostly in Iron Source, Wangel, um, they're extremely um, trying to innovate on that side, kind of combining, let's say, videos with playables, with interactive end cards and so on and so on. And there's always some kind of grayish area, what is good user experience, what is not good user experience. So it's kind of always changing. And so you always have to be aware of what's what's being shown to your games, to your players, what kind of user experience is okay for your players and what is too much or what is too restrictive. So I think there's a lot of changes going on and you really have to understand um, how these changes are impacting your performance and your user experience. That's, I'll jump on there, but like there is definitely a handicap to going last as, as Christian called out, right? <laughs> really good points there. I mean, I think from, from our side at Google, we, we tend to have more of a focus on, on scale uh, than we would do on the very, very bleeding edge. And that kind of creates a, an interesting tension. I mean, look, there's a, there's a reason I know Christian, because um, they're doing some interesting stuff from a, a, an individual format perspective. And, but we have to think in, in terms of kind of long-term scale and, and users and advertisers and publishers all together. So we have to balance that. Um, overall, I think that the things innovation-wise, we tend to see more stuff. Either it's it's new formats, it's new placements, or it's new uses of data, um, all of which have, have come up already, right? Um, I mean, new formats, I, I think you've hit the, the nail on the head on the two that are kind of more interesting. Like we're obviously kind of looking at the, the audio space and, and following along, trying to enable as much reach as possible for, for Christian and others on the, the platform. Um, I think the, the kind of intrinsic integrated stuff that Anzu and Frameplay and others are doing um, is also very, very interesting, much harder perhaps to, to measure and track, but I know a lot of work's gone into that with the IAB and other kind of standardization there. So like there's, there are a few upcoming formats that are, that are new. Um, in terms of placements, I mean, I think I, we've seen some success at scale with, with things like app open ads, right? So, I mean, it's more like an interstitial, but it, it's when the app is, is initially loaded and it's a, it's a branded splash screen effectively. Um, this is something that was a, a multi-year process for us to get to the scale we're at now. Um, very, very common in China. Um, and while I was out there, there was a lot of pressure from the, the local developers to potentially bring a format that is very popular in domestic China to the rest of the world. And it took us a while to get comfortable with the fact that this was a great user experience. And, and it may not be everywhere, but it is, for example, when you're on a lower spec phone in a region with slightly spottier mobile connection, for example, and you know what, your app does take five, 10 seconds to spin up. And actually no one objects to that kind of experience. And I think it's, it's a bit of a learning curve to get to, to those placements and see where they can add value. But we're like, we're really pleased with how that's worked globally and how developers who have, as I said, like audiences in different countries are able to ap apply different formats to that, that structure. Um, and we have whole teams now um, inside Google who do kind of user experience consultations and so on with our developers to help people balance and instrument and test those those kind of rollouts um, and, and we're seeing a lot of value from that so that's that's really good to see too and then the last part is data right i think the, the first party data piece um some developers big enough to do direct sales and and that's a, a different business much more like traditional ad sales um cross promotion with data that you own very important and then the last part i think is, as Jan was saying like the contextual stuff or or things that you you know about your users that are not the traditional age and demographic piece. It's like, how often do they play? Like, where do they play in terms of other senses, but in terms of other data sources like number eight, but like what level they're at, what currency balance they may have. Um, and we're definitely looking at ways where that kind of unstructured data 
um, from individual publishers could improve overall monetization. So the, the beauty of machine learning sometimes is you can throw these things at them and you get surprising outputs in terms of the, the impact that can have on your ad monetization. So that, that's an area where we're definitely spending some time because everyone has data. Um, I can't say that everyone knows how to use it um, and maybe it's not possible to be used in some of these scenarios, but we, we think it can be. And um, we, yeah, we're definitely spending time on that. Nice, excellent thoughts. I would have probably, yeah. Yeah, I would probably had one more topic here, um, which we haven't touched base on, which is ad quality. So I think we, we said already it's about data, it's about transparency, right? And in the end, what we as a, as a publisher get into our games and ads, I think it's extremely important to understand that we want to see high quality ads for our players, right? So we don't want to see any scam. We don't want to um, have our um, block list breached or anything. We want to have um, no misleading or inappropriate ads. So there's, there's a lot of demand, obviously, for high quality stuff being shown to our players. Um, but in reality, it's, it's kind of a wide, wide west, right? So there's not really any any police um, kind of um, yeah, kind of enforcing any quality. There's no way really any standards are applied there. Every advertiser is using self-service tools from every network. It's kind of everyone is just doing whatever they want to. So I think there's a big demand out there for understanding that side better, understanding what campaigns are shown in general to your games, what is exactly every user seeing, how can you avoid any kind of bad ads uh, being shown to your players. And I mean, there have, there have been a few um, providers in the past for that, um, like a, a Safety K, a Zoomla, um, and so on, who are kind of trying to prov provide more transparency around that. Now that has moved more, obviously, Safety K to AppLove and Max, Zoomla towards Iron Source. Um, so there's, there's always changes, um, and it's extremely important to understand how you can deal with that, how you can always stay on top of that, um, and, and make sure that your players are actually happy with what they're seeing with, with ad content. So I think that's, yeah, that's... I think we're lagging slightly on on the promise there, right? I mean, in terms yeah. of we, we know we can do this relatively well on web. Um, the more unified the auction becomes, um, the more transparent these things become, the easier it is to log, the easier it is to understand which creatives were served, the, the less likely you are to see the same machine's own ad five times running yeah, from yeah, five yeah. networks, right? If yeah. you, you think back to the bad old days, um, just due to frequency capping and, and things like this. So like, I, I think that will get better because we know it can be done better when auctions are more unified and, and bidded on web. Um, I think we're behind a little bit as an industry on that at the moment, yeah. but I think that the promise of transparency and quality control there is real. Um, and we, we should start to see improvements, I think, as uh, of the next couple of years there. I mean, yeah. it's a very valid point though, right? And yeah. you see other kind of questions from developers about like, which ad experiences are bad for our users? Like, where do we have three clicks to close the interstitial kind of thing? Um, can you give me stats on which ad or for which network was showing an ad when my users quit, for example, yeah. right? And actually there's remarkable differences in that distribution of who was the the ad experience where the user was like, you know what, um, I'm not, not doing this anymore and I'm going to do something else. Uh, those kind of pieces of transparency, I think, are very important for the, the kind of optimization you're talking about, Jan. And again, yeah, we're not yeah. quite there, but we're, I think everyone wants to move in that direction. Yeah, I think that's, that's really important. You also mentioned one point. It's like it's, it's not only about um, making sure as a publisher that you're showing high quality ads right to your players, but it's also a performance topic. So if you have like five networks in it, everyone is showing five machines on ads, 
well, uh, how likely is it that the, that the fifth one is converting on the user, right? So it's extremely unlikely. So I think there's definitely a high potential. I mean, it's not just about the publisher providing contextual signals to the ad networks and to the advertisers, right? But it's also the other way around that we also want to understand what kind of ads are shown to our players. How can we use that to avoid having machines on sh shown like the, the 20th time already today for the user? Um, so I think there's a lot of potential to be unlocked uh, with the technologies we have already. It's just about the willingness of the um, ad industry stakeholders and, and mostly I would say networks to really provide this data and also utilize them. As the final topic, I wanted to come back to, to brand ads. Um, they're, they're, you know, becoming more and more prevalent now, especially as, as gaming, targeted gaming ads are harder to do. But how do you see these macro trends like recession uh the war in ukraine like those things affecting the brand advertising uh, let's go with the order of christian ross and then jan you're gonna do the last one <laughs> yeah so um I, i remember like uh i was in new york when obviously the uh the in, in february when the um situation broke out in ukraine absolutely terrible and it's definitely rocked um the world in more ways than one emotionally and um financially and uh what we've seen unfold until then i mean one thing i was thinking of in terms of how audio will navigate through the space would be very similar to 2020 it was definitely a learning experience uh, kind of getting through that year um and things worked out in 2021 and what we expect to happen is that the brand spend will shift significantly. So, I mean, if you were to open up a crunch-based report, and I've mentioned multiple times about, you know, investment-oriented data trends because it really helps uh, startups in general and companies navigate the space. You see that um, e-commerce companies and um, anything to do with financial lending all cut completely. And it's, it's like uh, what happened in 2008. That spend drops and then certain um, advertising um, Uh, spend verticals uh, drop as well. But then there are significant shifts in uh, what we call COVID-resistant uh, brand verticals. And we did a lot of research in 2020. So um, usually what would, what would happen is that there would be uh, some, some hesitance in terms of you know, fill rates that you'd get from brand-based um, ad networks. But as long as you shift towards more COVID-resistant resistant verticals, like entertainment, for instance, is an obvious one, or home improvement, um, I, th I think we won't see a drop It's just as, as long as um, any contextual or brand-based ad network shifts their attention to the right verticals before um, and the fact, um, and by the fact I'm talking about a global recession, then it should be fine. And I guess on that, on that point, in terms of the uncertainty that's been caused in global markets, it's affected public markets and now the private sector uh, throughout the whole chain. Um, I'd say the impending global recession um, is just going to shift where the brand dollars are going to come from rather than um, tank it completely like it did in, um, in 2020. And the other thing as well is, uh, again, like I, I definitely think that the world is going through like an out of the frying pan into the fire, uh, into the fire kind of situation. And there will probably be more gamers as a result of uh, this, this, this upcoming uh, uh, recession, which is, um, actually going to be beneficial for uh, for brand advertisers uh, and branding ad networks as long as they uh, they shift their attention quickly okay interesting so I, i'll offer a bit of a counterpoint uh, to some of that so i think brand is going to become more important right I, i think it's that we've been waiting for brands to be more important in mobile for the decade or so that we've we've all been been looking at this i would 
so I suppose one one cautionary tale. I, I remember I was involved in the the launch of uh, of TrueView in rewarded slots at Google, right? So like we we got rewarded ads out the door, like created a whole bunch of new video inventory, um, and then we also have TrueView, which is the the brand advertising format on on YouTube. We were like, okay, brilliant. Let, let's let's join these two kind of let's join the pipes on this and it, it'll be great. Like everyone's gonna get a huge amount more reach. And I remember kind of, we, we did all this and we launched it and so on. And then we <laughs> sat there a few weeks after trying to work out like, why, why is it not that big? And then you look at the pricing of like how rewarded ads and some of these other things were. And it's just like that, you know, if you're going, Jan will know what kind of he sets in his price floors and so on for rewarded. Like it, it's a very, very well targeted format. That's very, very high. And it kind of squeezed out a lot of the brand spend even even then so like we and we haven't seen those the performance on those formats and so on fall away tremendously on the performance side so like brand needs to be pretty punchy actually to beat out some of the mobile performance formats and, and for that to be the case i think the the real focus that we've seen is like a lot more effort on the kind of instrumentation and the brand um tracking and viewability side of things like those standards um the iab work and so on that's been done about like what constitutes viewability um like it's, as i said it's a very hard problem in the 3d space for example but like they put a lot of effort into it like all of those are table stakes for brand spend to move across safely and with confidence i think um and i, I think that's the area where there's been a lot of a lot of progress in terms of standardizing and making it easy for people just to buy across different um, different environments and feel comfortable with them. Um, and we also do see performance advertisers dabbling into brand as well, right? Like, and and this is because they've got more used to video advertising as the way of kind of securing rewarded ads and, and things like this. But th there is also just kind of general brand awareness that historically performance-based advertisers are beginning to look at. And I think that also kind of speaks, like, that kind of does back to your point up, Christian, like there's going to be more brand spend. It might not all be the same verticals that we've always looked at. And some of it may come more from the from the performance side of things once you can do the tracking and, and kind of realize that that spend does have value, even in a performance context. And so hopefully that convergence will keep the whole space, um, keep it pretty healthy if we can manage all of those, those trends at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I totally agree with you what you said about the, the price um, limitations of brand ads when you come to mobile in-game waterfalls and competition with the performance ads, right? So usually what we see is that performance ads have much, much higher CPM, so it's really hard to um, compete with that from the brand ads. Um, but then there's still a lot of um, lot of uh, supply available and a lot of impressions available at more like the, the middle or lower end of the waterfall. So there's still a good chance to fill that with your brand ads and kind of provide stability. Um, but then there's these kind of trends coming in, right? So we have seen the trend from COVID for the last two years. Um, obviously, a lot of changes with certain industry being pushed down a lot. Other industries be having really benefit from that, like home entertainment, um, Netflix at co, um, Spotify, gaming, etc. Like we have seen a huge push um, in the beginning of first half of, of, of the pandemic. Um, and now I think actually it's a different situation um, since uh, Ukraine was started. And like a few a few trends came together now. I mean, a lot of people kind of got out of the COVID require, uh, um, uh, uh, enforcement and kind of the restrictions. So they were getting out of home again. They wanted to do stuff at home, uh, outside again with their friends at events, concerts, etc. So there was, there was less demand for virtual and digital stuff anymore. Uh, while at the same time, um, China is still extremely restrictive, especially at Shanghai. So there's a lot of supply chain limitations. Um, 
At the same time, yeah, Russia, Ukraine has a lot of issues with the resources, gas, oil, etc. So those prices are going up. Inflation is going up. Recession is there. A lot of uh, companies are just trying to kind of hold their, their marketing budgets, wait and see what's going on and, and how to move further. And, and that's also what I'm seeing on our side and also from other publishers. I have talked to a lot of publishers in the last two, three months and like everyone is saying the same, hey, our ECPMs have tanked. So it's, it's just like you you expect this kind of situation, right, in, in Q1. So you know, okay, Q4 to Q1 is going lower. It's kind of the expected seasonal trend. Um, but then you would expect towards like March, April, May, um, that it's going up again. But actually the opposite happened. So it went on even further. Um, EasyPens were getting even lower and you were just standing there wondering, okay, what the fuck is going on here? Um, how can I explain it to my management? How can I explain it um, to investors, et cetera? And, but it's just... The whole economy is struggling right now, and um, it's not really clear when that is changing, right? So the, the whole situation is a bit unclear. Um, so we have to, see, have to understand and see how we can deal with that, how we can still find ways to improve, and how we can then move on um, to some improvements again when the whole economy is changing again. But right now, it's, I think it's very uncertain for a lot of uh, people in the industry. Got it. Um, I think this is like... This covers what we wanted to talk about today. So I'll thank you guys so much for for coming on on the show and doing this with me. This was really a good treat, and let's let's try to do it again at some point <laughs> when when the things have moved forward. So uh, thanks a lot, guys, and uh, I'll I'll put some your names and LinkedIn uh, links into the show notes so people can reach out if if there's anything. So thanks again. Thanks for having us. Great. Thank I you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again to my guests for joining this show. If you have time, please go and sign up to our newsletter at elitegamedevelopers.com slash newsletter. Since every Friday morning, I send out a piece on gaming startups, what I've experienced recently as an investor, things that I'm seeing and thinking about. I really want to share a lot to you guys. So if you have time, please subscribe to the newsletter. That would be awesome. And I'll see you next week on the podcast. Take care. Bye-bye.